Hello and welcome to Bending the A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, and we have a loaded episode for you today, don't we, Sir Matt? Woo! Yeah, you know, we were going to just do a Dawn Age discussion, because we've been talking about it in some of the Ravens we've been getting, and it's like, eh, you know, it's a good place to go revisit while we're still working on our iceberg, uh, big sort of picture thing, and the holidays are coming up. It's like, let's be kind of fun to just go back and kind of explore it. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I re, you know, rereading that small little chapter. There's a lot of stuff in there you kind of forget about, and not even just like, oh, the Dawn Age happened and stuff like that. But rereading sort of a world of ice and fire and listening to them talk about, like, well, actually, Maester Aemon read some things and sent them to the Citadel, and it's like, well, hold on a second. Now I gotta like rethink about that. So it's always interesting to go back, especially in a world of ice and fire, to see what the Maesters who are describing the events. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. A lot of that stuff says isn't on their wiki page, or it's just not stuff that's fresh in your mind. But there are sort of events that take place in a world of ice and fire where people sort of will say things to a maester, or like these maesters that are describing the events in the books sort of are telling you like some interactions between characters that doesn't make it into their overall plot. And so it, it's kind of interesting, really. So um, a good reread of that. However, the Game of Thrones convention is going on. There was a little bit of news out of there. We're recording this 3.36 Pacific time. And I believe Kit Harrington's big press conference. He had a smaller one earlier today. He's going to have a bigger one here in about 20 minutes. So maybe at the end when we're done recording, I can click and uh, open it up and see if anything big about possibly snow has come up. So we might have that towards the end of the episode. Or maybe I'll split it up into multiple episodes. I don't know. We're going into this one blind, folks. So uh, the release <laughs> schedule right, might be a little little wonky. But there was some other news. And this is what we're actually going to... This is what we're actually going to start with today, Jimmy. So recently, George Martin was on Stephen, the Stephen Colbert show. And he sort of talked about, hey, you know, about 75% of the book way done with the book. So... I guess there was sort of a follow-up to that. It was like this Comedy Central thing, and it's some sort of like animated interview. Anyway, to break it down, he said on that, I have about 500 pages left, which the interesting point and significance of that is it's really the first time he's ever put a rough page number on it. So So I kind of did a small little, I even posted it on the podcast itself, uh, and a YouTube video, just sort of an update. Hey, here's what here's what was said. So I, I, you and I haven't really talked about it yet. So what are your kind of initial thoughts about that? I mean, we knew that a lot of the roadblock chapters that he'd been struggling with for what seems to be years, he completed it. And he said, like, I'm through the roadblocks, people. And there has been major, major progress. <clears throat> now, one thing that I got to say that I've taken away from this, and we kind of talked about this before, but the more I think about it, there's absolutely no way wins isn't getting split. Just sir, I, yeah. I, I want people to prepare, but I do not believe that it's going to be split by location like it was last time with Feast and Dance. I don't think we're going to see that because the publishing industry has changed a bit since the release of those books. And I have seen multiple fantasy authors such as Tad Williams uh, and also Chris Ferracchio is writing kind of a sci fantasy a sci-fi fantasy series called Sun Eater, they have had to split their massive tomes of books into two parts. And usually what ends up happening is you'll have a release towards the beginning or end of the year and then followed up in about six to nine months by another release. 
So I honestly think there's almost no way that wins is not going to be split. Apparently, George is really strict. Like he really wants to stick to seven books. Like he is pretty much said like he, he doesn't want to go beyond that. Um, I don't know if that's because of the seven or some sort of like symbolism for him that, that he doesn't want to betray. But uh, I would be flabbergasted if this book gets published as one volume just for the sole fact that probably pushing the limits is like a 1300 1350 page book kind of like what brandon sanderson has done in recent time and i think wins is going to be bigger than that i mean it really does seem like this book is 1500 1600 pages long now he is sending things off the editor i've seen a lot of people talk about the fact that you know hey it's going to take him two years to edit the thing but that's really not how george has worked at least from what he has told us the insight that he has given us to his process is that he actually edits as he goes, which does make it longer to write the book. But it seems like it could be about, uh, I would say, a one year time period, most likely of like fine tuning things and getting a final draft written. So I would say, you know, for kicks and giggles, let's say George announces it uh, March one. I think about nine months to a year is probably very feasible for a release date for wins. So. That, that, that's kind of what I took from it. I mean, I think it's very, very encouraging. I've seen some people say, oh, that's going to take him another 10 years. I don't think that's the case. I think that he is in a groove past the roadblocks. Excellent news. But as someone who is constantly looking at releases and publishers and very in tune with books, I, I'm very curious how Penguin Random House will handle this. Yeah. So just yeah, just just for context, because um, sometimes we've seen sometimes we get these comments. Uh, I've seen it on or TikTok as well as uh, some other things where people are saying, well, the books are split. Some of the books we already have already came in, in multiple volumes. And some yes. of the comments I had on the video. Yeah. Regionally. So in the United States, all the books are essentially yes. one volume, but I know regionally um, like storm of swords and stuff yes. has been split. So it's like part two, part three, depending on where you're at certain regions do that. I remember the first time somebody said, well, I have storm of swords vol volume two. And I was like, what like was it some new book i didn't have or something mm -hmm. so um so actually there's a reddit there's a reddit post that was posted the other day by um actually adam warthead uh who's kind of a big sort of a song of ice and fire contributor he has like he's he's one of the persons who's created a good portion of like the most detailed sort of fan maps and uh, he posted on Reddit the other day, sort of breaking a lot of stuff down about what are some of the numbers George has actually given us mm -hmm. over uh, the couple of years. So, you know, the Winds of Winter is intended to come in at around 300 manuscript pages longer than A Storm of Swords and A Dance of the Dragons, which were both around 1520, uh, 1520 pages long in manuscript, right, which is different than the actual sort of published pages. Right. So man manuscript pages are structured differently. They're double space and courier font with no formatting, um, you know, and so it's just kind of different. He's saying wins would be 1,820 manuscript pages, which would make it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's with... right. So a dance with dragons was around 420,000 words, not counting appendices and things like that. So at that sort of rough estimate, it would put Winds of Winter um, at around 505,000 words. And for anybody counting, Dune is around 180,000 words, and Lord of the Rings is around uh, 450,000 words. So 
Winds of Winter <laughs> seems like it's going to be a pretty massive book. So um, I guess what some people are sort of saying here is what I think there's two things, two things to sort of look at here. One, what do you think about the time length, about how much longer you think it's going to take him to write around 500 pages? So, you know, if we're doing math here and wins ends up being somewhere around, um, I don't know, eight, eight, uh, let's just say, let's just say for sake of argument, it's, I don't know, 1500 to 1800 manuscript pages, which is what he's sort of describing it as. So if he has about 500 left based upon how long he's actually written it, and I think it's safe to say there's a couple years he's taken off. I think you or current sort of timeline you've been suggesting about we'll probably see it in 2024 is seems pretty. I mean, do you think do you still feel pretty confident about that now that we're getting some yeah. actual dates on it and stuff? Yeah, my November 2024, I feel pretty good about. I, I don't think these are 500 pages that George is going to write in about three months. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I could see in a year's time or a little bit into 2024, we get the we get the not a blog post. I have finished the winds of winter and now it is off to the editor and da 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 da. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say I like that November 2024 is looking pretty ripe. Looking yeah, good. and that's yeah, and so I think I'm kind of in line with you now. If it was 2024, um, that could be really interesting because. House of the Dragon season two begins filming, they said early next year. So here in the next few months, they're casting right now and they have no sort of cast up updates or anything as to who, you know, some of the new characters will be, you know, Craig and Stark's going to be one of them. So I think it's safe to say, let's assume we get House of the Dragon season two, roughly the same time period. Then you could, then you could launch a dance with dragon or, Winds of Winter, maybe that, yeah, the, right around November, which would be a few months after House of the Dragon. So you could go right off that hype. And then maybe um, the snow show, of course, we're recording this right as the, the Johnson, the <laughs> Harrington press conference is going on. So they might be announced right now. We don't know as of the time we're recording this. But uh, then I don't think even if that would that show we would see until 2025. Yeah, at the earliest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that would be probably the biggest year in a song of ice and fire history since season eight. Yeah. A better year for George R. R. Martin than the year he's having already. Cause he's having a pretty great year. Yeah. Pretty, pretty great year. I would say Elden ring just won game of the year, um, which th they gave him a shout out at the game awards, right? They did also. Cool. Also, they gave Bill Clinton a shout out. Did you see that? It was a kind of untrending. I some didn't. kids, so some kids stuck up on stage. This is not a song of ice and fire related, but it's funny. So when they went up to accept the award for Elden Ring, some kid like snuck up on stage with him and said that he wanted to nominate the game to Bill Clinton. And it was just like really bizarre and really random. And, and like, but they're all standing there as if like the, he's part of the team. And so, so then he like, <laughs> It was like really weird. I don't know. It was like all over Twitter. It was all over Twitter and TikTok. I was like, what is going on? Here? That is bizarre. It's real weird. That is very, very weird. So, you know, George, hey, George Martin, you know, hey, he got the Elden Ring game of the year. We were saying it. Go back. Go yeah. back to March. Go back to earlier this year. We were saying it. So 
yeah, I mean, good year. House of the Dragons uh, looks like it's doing very good. The convention's going right now. So, we uh, again, we don't really know exactly what's going on there. But, um, yeah, just interesting to think. I think – so he, he has said that if he does finish it, it's going to take minimally three months. Yeah. So, like, from the minute he says, I'm done writing, it's going to take three months. I think it'll take a little longer than that, too, because the, the, they're going to have to commission art. Well, yeah, and, and there's also a lot to be said about, like, are they going to ask him to cut things? Like, I, you know, George has a lot of sway with publishers, but it isn't, uh, like, he isn't the heaviest hand at that place. Like, they're going to tell him what to do. Uh, he is under right. contract with them. So. I would be I think we should be a little more cautious and, and stick with that nine months. I think nine months to even maybe up to a year after the announcement, I think, would be realistic because yeah. he's going to have to and, go on book tour. Like they're going to set all these things up. There's going to be media. Campaign. Yeah, I mean, and this and this just isn't like and this just isn't like an author who is, you know, just printing one version of a book. There's going to be yes. collector's editions and merchandise and HBO is also going to, I'm sure, have a have a hand in it and say, hey, like, can we figure out something here to you know put this here or put this here or you know whatever yeah. and then there might be you know versions you know a lot of some of the some of the versions of game of thrones obviously have the hbo logo on the front and stuff like that because it goes with the award-winning television show you might have some of those versions too so it's gonna be a there's gonna be a big to do with it it's not just like once he finishes hey here it's done get it yeah. published yeah definitely a lot yeah, of moving okay. pieces there. Okay. Um, some other news uh, real quick here. So there was some, we'd have some, a little, a little piece of news here today from the, the game of Thrones convention. John uh, Kit Harrington was asked and he did a panel earlier and he's doing one uh, here in a few minutes as of us recording this. He was asked sort of, they were talking about season eight and he sort of described the, uh, Daenerys's death as he was fine with it yeah I think the exact thing was he said that he knows season eight was controversial but he felt like killing Danny was the right thing to do right and I, I you know I so I just read the quote like as as uh right before we went uh live to record this and it's like I think people are taking that as an endorsement of where Danny's character went and that's not what this is this is him right. saying that where she ended up that he felt the right thing to do was to kill the tyrant. I don't think he's saying that he's like, I loved the fact that Danny right. ended up this way. Or he's saying that he thought that like it was a purely good decision. I think he's just saying that he felt like it was the right thing to do for Jon Snow, the character in the position that he was in. Some people are taking this way too far and they're trying to right. read into this and say that Kit Harrington's defending Danny's arc and all this stuff. And that's just not the case. No, he what I it's it seems pretty obvious what he's yeah, what he's saying is that for Jon Snow's character, it was the right thing to do to kill. Not yeah, not it, oh, it was the right thing for Dan and Dave to write it so that Danny goes mad and Jon has to kill her. Yeah, and he's not even saying that he likes where Jon Snow ends up. You know what I'm saying? He's no. just saying for the character being put in that scenario, yeah, it probably was the right thing to do. And uh there are people who are just kind of <sighs> running with that. Right. Um well I think I think sort of I think sort of another interesting piece to this puzzle is that we're hoping for some information about a potential sequel show. And yeah. what does that say about John's character in that sequel show? If 
the actor portraying it and writing the sort of sequel show is saying it was the right thing for John to do that. Yeah, when I first heard it, I, I took it like everyone else did that maybe he was defending Dan and Dave as far as like how they got there and, and what ended up happening and everything. And I was like, OK, that's not good because I right. don't want someone <laughs> that out of touch to write a write anything in this universe ever again. But now that I've actually went and, and saw the quote in context and knowing that he's just, you know, he got asked a loaded question and he just said, yeah, in that moment, it probably was the right thing for John to do. Um, I don't think that that's him endorsing anything so i feel a little bit relieved because like me and you uh unlike many other people <laughs> we're kind of like wait and see like super duper to the maximum cautiously optimistic about a snow show like we're we're bewildered that it's happening but we kind of want to wait and see and judge it for what it is this made me a little scared but then again uh now that i i know what he's talking about it's, it's not so bad so I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think, like I said, I'm going to pull up Twitter just to show you. This is like some of the things people have been saying. Kit Harrington needs to pipe down about Daenerys. All Jon Snow does is whine and get saved by other people. Please don't smear Danny's name. And see, this uh, is this, this, this is kayfabe. Like we're playing with like, kayfabe here a little bit, right? Like, like they're yeah. talking about the character, so that that's kind of fun. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just, also what is up. Here's a picture of him today. What is up with that? that mustache it kind of looks like baker mayfield a little bit right I, I don't know what's going on is this is our i mean john snow and Tormund must just be really partying up there i mean it looks like a buddy gone, cop kind of outfit, yeah. right i would hey those are two kings you know i you know love to see him hanging out yeah so obviously some of the and i guess some of the panels they're doing today it's like they it's like a mixed cast because yeah, they had cool yeah it's it's kind of cool so um unfortunately it's really hard to get information on and to be honest this convention uh i don't really know how to describe it other than to me it's kind of i feel like it's a letdown it's just all i've been following some of the people and we uh not i don't personally know them but you know we've messed i've had a few back and forth with some of the people on twitter uh that are in the in the song of ice fire community um and some of the people that are there are sort of just saying you know it just feels like they just threw this thing together last minute and it's so yeah it had a lot of challenges because it was supposed to happen last year before house of the dragon and then i think that what happened you and i had tickets we were going we were in yeah. we, were, we were gonna be press uh media but it turns out uh that they had to move it and it ends up in la it's on a weird weekend it's right before christmas i i don't think that this was well planned um no. and the reason why they did not do it in vegas i think is because last night was the big end of the year pay-per-view for the ufc and they own that town Right. I, I, so I don't think they wanted to compete with that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't shock me that this might this one might have been a little bit of a messy convention just because of it being moved around. And honestly, they might have been shocked by the success of House of the Dragon. Like, who knows? <laughs> right. Because interest was there. I think the interest in it was definitely there. But ho I'll tell you what, even if it was a mess, I would have loved to have went. Uh, it just to the Hodor dance party, the Hodor DJ dance party. I didn't you have didn't you have the. Did you bought like as I was just gonna do because you and I went to Vegas and we hung out in Vegas. Yeah. Um and because we we had gone. It was like in February of this year, right? Earlier this year. Uh yeah, that yeah. was this year. Wow. Yeah. It was in February. It feels so long ago. Ugh. Wow. Time crazy. But um yeah, we were gonna go and then it got canceled because of COVID. So then yeah, they then they moved it to December. But you know, it's interesting to think about who the who was gonna be there and some of the panelists because I think it's like a totally it was it was totally different. It, it was feels like way more Game more, of Thrones heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Not House of the Dragon heavy. I don't think Kit Harrington was going to be there. Yep. 
And then the interesting thing now is, of course, that they say, oh, Kit Harrington is going to be there and he has the main panel. So as of recording this, we're six minutes away from his uh, his his speech here. So, you know, I get uh, are we getting something snow related. And if we don't, is there going to be more quotes that people can take out? Of oh, I, I, I just out? don't I just don't think there's any I don't think there's any way you can't. I was shocked because I was actually looking today because he I saw that he was speaking early in the morning and I was like, OK, well, we're going to have to get something snow related. What do you think we're going to get if we get anything at all? I mean, we have like we have to. Otherwise, you're just going to be asking about Jon Snow, the character. Well, so so as far as like where the process is, it sounds like it is still extremely preliminary as far as like writing, getting scripts together. So I think if if any information was going to be released, it'd probably be like who's working with him. Right. Is Miguel working right. with him? I think that would probably be a safe thing to say now that season one House of the Dragon is over. And I think also probably the fact that if there are going to be like if they've signed anyone on to hopefully bring back. Right. Because those are conversations they have to be having if they're writing scripts. So they have to know, like, hey, is Brienne coming back? Is Tormund coming back? So I would say maybe we get a teensy bitsy like bit of that. And maybe a hint towards the scope of the show, because I know me and you kind of are on different sides. Like, I think it's going to be a lot more of an intimate, like mini series where you're like thinking Logan. Yeah, you're thinking big, big time. Yeah, I th I just feel like I just feel like it has to be big time. I feel like it has to be. I mean, you can do something small and then open it up. Right. True. I think like take the Mandalorian, for mm -hmm. example. Right. Uh, the Mandalorian comes in and. You know, you have Din Djarin and and Baby Yoda, and you're going along. Okay, cool. And then you sort of hint at some other big characters along the way. You introduce uh, Moff Gideon, who played by Juan Carlo Espinito, at the very end, and he's got the dark saber, which is like this legendary weapon in Star Wars. And it's like, wait, hold on, how do you get that? Okay, now <laughs> we've got some big ties to everything else. And then season two, they blew the doors off. I mean, what about this? What if you started with Kit Harrington and Jon Snow, and he? dies again <laughs> wow. like what if you know what i mean like they go to the lands right. of always wind I, I mean i don't know we we have yeah. no idea and we just want a little just give us a little nugget okay my guess the only the interesting the only interesting thing about it is it's like so disney the way they introduce star wars and marvel stuff is typically at like their big investor day right mm -hmm. and so they're announcing a huge slew of things right it's you know hey here's when they introduce say the obi-wan kenobi show it's like a five minute package of this whole big thing. And that you and McGregor comes out. Oh my God, he's back as Obi-Wan. It's going to be a cool little story. Here's going to be the director and that's it. This, he has like a panel. So. And it's a Q&A, it's like, right? Yeah. So obviously someone's going to be, obviously everyone's going to be asking about it. So I just don't think you can't not. And then HBO did just post a like, yes, here's, the story of Jon Snow, right? Like leading up to the whole deal. And then before it was leaked earlier this year, they did, they've been posting some, they've been posting some things, in interesting little tie-ins to Jon Snow. Like, Oh man. <laughs> it's just, it's just so, it's just a totally different take way to do it. Dude. I, 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 I just want to take a second. Like, before House of the Dragon was announced, like we were enjoying the books, we're rereading, we're like, you know, we got this. And like, can you believe we're here? Like, not only it's was crazy. House of the Dragon a smash hit, but like 
Germ is finishing up the Winds of Winter, and we're hearing about a possible sequel show, whether or not it's good or bad. Like, it's just crazy because it is bonkers. So many people f- online felt like, the, you know, that dead fandom. I've never seen anything fall out of favor so fat. No one cares. And, like, you know, me, you, and Ez, we're, we care. All of our listeners, you guys cared. And it's just incredible that not only is it still around and, and new things are coming about, but uh, the excitement level and the impressions and the way it's trending online. I mean, this is um, almost as popular as ever. Almost. It's season eight pinnacle. I don't think will ever be matched again, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's crazy. I don't know. I, I feel blown away. It's almost surreal that we're talking about some of these things that we're talking about here today. And uh, that's why we said, well, let's just, we're just going to hit record and kind mm-hmm. of fly by the seat of our pants. Yeah, today. today yeah. So much talk about. I got another one too here, and then we'll dive into our Dawn Age chapter. But um, so Jimmy and I, uh, we've talked about, you know, we're, we're working on the big iceberg theory video uh, thing, we're, but we have part three of it. And it's also the holidays, so we're kind of wrapping some stuff up for the end of this year. Yeah. But we have a big project we want to do at the beginning of next year. Uh, and I think we can kind of talk about it a little bit because I sort of teased, posted about it in the YouTube today. Um, and it's not going to be exactly how it's going to go. I posted a YouTube poll of who would win in a fight. And so... We're going to be, we want to do some breakdowns of like some of these who would win in a fight just because they're fun. And we're going to do kind of a big thing about it. But um, I have to say here, okay, now this might, this vote here is not from the bend the knee. I keep that, you know, locked. This is from my personal account. Said who wins in a fight, Jon Snow or or Damon Targaryen? And man, 64% Damon. I mean, so here's the thing. And this is the, this is where we got to decide. Are we talking? book john are we talking show john i don't care either way i think i think book and show john takes damon you think so yes easily oh i don't know i don't know now in the show i think the in the show there's john snow i think in the show i don't think it's i don't even think it's close not even close i don't even no way no you really think so yeah, I mean, Damon was shook when Eamon stood up and looked at him, okay? I mean, okay, John shook White Walkers to their core, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, no, it's a lot of fun. And we're going to be doing a lot of these, too. But no, um, and then we're going to do this sort of bigger thing uh, we have coming to where maybe, you know, we might have to pick some teams and well, and, 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 and see what's going on. So There it's might be, be a fun. draft. There might be a there draft. Might, there might be a draft. But, and and uh, we might have to leave it to the people to decide who has the better ooh, roster. Yeah, exactly. But man, I just, for me, my thing is, so in the books where I sort of leaned on John is, so for starters, they both have Valyrian steel sword. So that cancels itself out. Well, is, is long call dark sister possibly? Well, if that's the case, then yeah, I guess you can't use it, but no, I don't <laughs> think so. So regard regardless of that, it's a lot. I think a lot of people look at Damon and they say, well, you know, Damon is, you know, he's battle tested. He's fought in all these, you know, in mm-hmm. wars and, and all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit harder to go on Damon because he's so vague. All we really know is that he fought in the step zones and he lost to Kristen Cole in a fight. Um in the books, I think it's pretty obvious that John is incredibly skilled. I mean, Corn Halfhand can size him up almost immediately. 
Uh, you look at Alistair Thorne and Donald Noy when he's there at the wall. I mean, Donald Noy has seen Robert Baratheon fight. And a lot of the people at the wall, anytime they comment on anything about John, it's always sort of, you know, leadership or any of these other things. Alistair Thorne is constantly sending two to three people at him to train with him. And sure, none of these people are trained, but I mean, it's still hard to do. I mean, they're bums. They're bums. It's still difficult. Samuel Tarly, come on. Okay. I mean, it's still difficult. I mean, it's not easy. Um, <laughs> John also talks about how he's a better swordsman than Rob. And you could say that's an unreliable narrator from his, uh, you know, his, his point of view. But Alistair Thorne never once makes any crack at his swordsmanship. And he, ta and he's, trying to be little John at every single turn he can take. The only time John has any trouble in a sword fight is against Mance Raider, who one could be incredibly skilled as is. Don't do or, it. Don't do or it. two could Don't be Arthur Dane. Oh, so, come, I mean, on. come on. I mean, he could be, you know, ridiculously. Good. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Here's a question for you. And this, this could sway my decision. Do you think sword play has evolved over hundreds of years? So, so for instance, you know, a lot of people a lot look of at, empire. yeah. So a, a lot of people look back at uh, boxers of the past or for, for the better uh, metaphor, I'll go with MMA, right? Uh, we look back at the Hoist Gracie's or even like Matt Hughes or a Chuck Liddell from, from ages ago in mixed martial arts. And now we're looking at the new, couple generations above. We're looking at far superior, more well-rounded athletes that approach the game from a different perspective. So do you think that sword play has evolved in A Song of Ice and Fire to where John is just a more developed swordsman? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe gaming was saying. more elementary. It's kind of like football, right? Like right. could you compare Jim Brown to Nick Chubb today? Right. Like well, would Jim uh, Brown succeed in the NFL oh, today, uh, yes, he would. But I, I understand. I would. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So, what so you saying. think Damon would be fine then? Oh, I definitely think Damon would be fine. So he'd be Jon yeah. Snow. No, he wouldn't be Jon Snow. <laughs> here's here's an here's another re here's another reason why <laughs> is Damon much like a lot of other princes. While they, I'm no, while I'm no doubt questioning their skill and ability. People are a lot more lenient toward princes and training. They don't push them as hard, right? Mm. And then they also have a little air of confidence and air of arrogance to them. John is a bastard who hey, pushes hey. him. Push. I mean, hey, he pushes <laughs> himself. He pushes himself as hard as he possible as he possibly can. I so I think you have that. Uh, you know, you have that going for you as as well. And again, show. I don't even think it's not even close because John has taken two, has beaten two White Walkers and. To me, I mean, it's just like, how, how do you, you can't quantify anything that Damon does that we know of that happens in the well, books. That's that. true. It is very hard to quantify Damon's impact as, as a swordsman. So I think if we're just going on basis of evidence that Jon Snow, um, if you take the whole body right. of work, is probably a better swordsman than Damon. We're going to get hate mail. Right. I was trying, probably. I was trying to pull the other way on this tug of war, but guys, right. I the biggest, I, Right. And again, you know, some of the things we see in House of the Dragon, remember, don't happen in the book. So it's hard to compare. It's hard to sort of compare them. Like it's easier to sort of say Book Damon could wreck Jon Snow because we just know he's a boss. And that's just sort of it. Right. That's just, but we don't have enough of the story. Whereas show, it's like some of the things we see in the show happen. Like the fact that Eamon does not challenge, does not like, okay, let's go, Damon, is a big deal. Damon was shook. 
<laughs> but you know, I'm you know, I mean, like for a, I mean, for Eamon to be like, okay, I'll back off. Is that just because he's you know, it super admires him, or he actually thought this may not go my way right now? It's a good question. Because if that's the case, then then obviously should give a lot of confidence to to be yeah. able to save I mean, part of Damon's aura, right, is the fact that he has a massive dragon. I think that that because mm -hmm. he's kind of, you know, referenced as a terror, right? Right. He's referenced as a terror throughout the uh, Westeros. People were very scared of him. Uh, but that, that does have to do with the fact that he has a fire uh, breathing lizard uh, that he rides on the back of. So I think that we can't totally discount the fact that that's also part of like the legend of Damon Targaryen. Now, here's a question. Do you think Damon's lack of morals would boost his chances in a fight that Jon Snow could be bent and broken because of his moral compass? Because Damon is no. ruthless. You don't think nope. so? Nope. You want to know why? Because Jon Snow, I'm blanking on his name. Beheaded. Uh, um, beheaded. Uh, what's his name? No, 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 no. Who's the guy he fights in um, the tent at Craster's Keep? Oh, uh, uh, I, I, I know you're talking about. Right. Anyway, that guy fights dirty. He's like, I mean, I'm from the streets or whatever. And Jon Snow beats him, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I look know. up the character's name right now. I know. I know the actor because he's in uh, he's in a lot of stuff. But regardless, Carl. Um, Car right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we're gonna so anyway. And these are fun, and we're gonna do some of these breakdowns because we don't want to see like and you know uh like Jamie Jamie versus two handed Jamie Lannister versus Damon who wins. Oh, now that's a tough one. That one's a lot tougher. Wait, Jamie versus Damon. Damon. Jamie. 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 Re really? Come see, on. I might. I might think Jamie's a little overrated. Now, Matt, you know, <laughs> we got a good thing going on in this podcast. But so help me God. I will go. I just no, wait till we get to, just wait till we get to Barristan and Selmy versus Arthur Dane. Oh, my. I will not hear any Selmy slander. Let me tell you. Well, I know I'm on. I'm on team Selmy. All right. Good. Good. We're on the same. Because to me, Selmy is the is the pinnacle. Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to line up every all these amazing swordsmen and battle, yeah. uh, you know, uh, battlemen are that's a terrible battlemen battlers. Like, what am I saying? Uh, warriors would be the word I'm looking for. And me and Matt are going to draft some and we might have other people join us. We're going to try to bring. Yeah, we're going to try to bring some people on and maybe do like a, a fantasy draft. We're going to do a fantasy draft of the best warriors in West and we'll let you decide. history. Yes. And then once the teams are drafted, you, the listener and the viewer are going to vote on who has the best roster. And then we're going to take another step further a little later in the year in 2023. But that 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 is uh, an announcement for another time. So mm -hmm. okay. you have that to look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, well, as of recording, the Jon Snow thing just kicked off, so I got it up here. So, uh, just if you know something crazy happens, we might have breaking news. We might have, we might, we might have breaking news. Patty Constantine was there too, by the way. Yeah, I saw but him and him and uh, John yeah. took a or <laughs> Kit took a picture together. Yeah, you know, it's really uh, some of the people from like History of Westeros were there and stuff like that. So, uh, definitely just interesting. Um, man, it's, it's, it's I have to like follow like small a song of ice, not small, but. Uh, you know, a song of ice and fire creators on Twitter to see what's going on because Game of Thrones and Reddit and nobody's talking about it. It's unfortunate. Yeah, we need some live tweets. Good, interesting. So, with that, guys, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. 
be sure to check us out. Check out more content on Patreon or Apple Premium. And remember, apparently in 500 pages, winter <laughs> is coming. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.